You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everyone, and welcome to issue 29 of the Comic Book Informer. We are coming to you on June 2nd, 2011. And yes, that is a Thursday because DC had their big announcement this week. And then just today, they doubled up on the announcement with a whole bunch of new information. So we thought we would record, re-record the entire episode with all this important information. Right, Roger? Is that what we're going with? Yeah, that's what we're going with. All right, then. Yes, that is indeed what happened and why we are doing this. Yes, absolutely nothing out of the ordinary. We planned this all along. Exactly. And there will be no shenanigans in the outtakes to explain what we're talking about. Yeah, you might as well just not even listen to them. <laughs> anyway, yes, DC absolutely exploded the comics world this week with their big new announcement. What it boils down to is on August 31st, they are going to be releasing two comics, possibly more, but two to really worry about. We are getting the final issue of the very, very good Flashpoint miniseries with the alternate reality story coming to a close. And we are getting Justice League number one, which in and of itself should be a very interesting comic, being as it is written by Jeff Johns, DC's top writer, and drawn by Jim Lee, one of the high watermarks in the industry for art, and he hasn't really drawn anything um, on monthly comic in a long time. So these two pairing together for a comic is a big deal. What makes it an even bigger deal is that this issue will mark the relaunch of the entire DC universe. Whatever's happening in Flashpoint, it's going to cause a ripple effect across all of DC's other comics, causing them, starting into September, to relaunch just about, if not every single title in their lineup with all new issue number ones. And this is huge news and potentially very exciting. I mean, potentially? <laughs> How can it be anything okay. else but exciting? <laughs> you got me. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, it's it's one of those, um, again, it's a decision based on money so that they can start to actually make more money because it's always been on the decline kind of thing so it is something that's going to be it's it could not have been an easy decision to come to when you're looking at sales individual sales of titles and and how it's progressively going down and you're thinking about possibilities of what to do to stimulate sales and to stimulate more interest again in comics and to make them more accessible i think that most people would sit down and think okay well let's you know have some interesting storylines. Let's create a story arc like Flashpoint or like we saw with some in, in Marvel. Let's do something like that and see what it does. But this kind of takes that idea, throws it in the trash and says not good enough and instead decides to launch what can, again, we're assuming, but is the way they're talking. If not every title, damn near every title. That's I, I can't understand <laughs> how they would... Do, takes such a ballsy move to stimulate interest in sales and everything. It's it's huge. Yeah, and it's not like they're just shuffling around creative teams, putting out a whole bunch of new number ones, and just starting off new story arcs. They are taking what appears to be a complete 
fresh start altogether. They've redesigned some of the characters. We look at that cover from Justice League number one. Superman looks a little younger than normal, a little slimmer than normal, different costume, different logo, Flash, Green Lantern. There, there's some differences there in their costumes. So they're redesigning everything and they're just hitting the reset button, taking all of the 70 some years of backstory some of these characters have and saying, okay, that was important. That was great. That got us here. Let's take those great characters and tell new stories with them that aren't going to be weighed down by all this baggage. So that's where they have this potential to pick up all the new readers that DC desperately needs right now. The only thing that's going to be a concern for me, well, there's a couple, we'll get to some later on, but in terms of story-wise, and we were talking about this before, the, the, the thing that concerns me is how permanent this is going to be because we've seen things like this not to this degree obviously but relaunches of certain titles that eventually just fall back into the original numbering once they're done or they've stopped making money okay because again it's one of those those huge landmark issues of the higher titles are the ones that sell very well and those tend to be also from what i've read a lot of the, the, the series that people have more of an affinity for because they can remember them from way back when, when they were reading them. So it's an easier starting point for those kind of readers. Kind of like myself, 25 years without reading comic books, I come back, I can remember certain comic books. Case in point, the X-Men series that I used to love, I'm still loving it now, and I can I can feel that affinity for the series. Um, so... It's going to be interesting to see whether or not they decide to go back to to revert essentially back to what is the current canon or if they're going to stick with it. Because the way it's being written with uh, Flashpoint, it is a story that if they need to, they can write themselves out of it quite easily to revert back to the way things were. And the other concern, of course, is that is all of that canon going to be gone because Case in point, again, when you're looking at the new Batman and they, yes, they may make some changes as Flash tries to, you know, fix things back to what a degree of what they used to be. But if you're looking at the Batman now, there's no denying he's cool as hell. The the fact that he's willing to toss someone off a building and just, oh, they slipped and do (laughs) things that our current Batman doesn't, all the things that we wish he would do. This guy's doing so he has the potential to be a f- fascinating character to read, but in the back of your mind, you're still going to be missing the original, and it's going to be interesting to see whether or not they're going to allow some miniseries or some things to take place in the current canon versus the new and improved Flash canon. And yeah, there's definitely a concern there, and there's really some great parallels that can be drawn to this and things that have happened previously. Uh, The editor-in-chief for DC is Bob Harris, and he was editor-in-chief for Marvel back in the 90s. And yes, 90s Marvel, bad callers. Feathery hair, not not good times. And one of the things that contributed to that iffy era for Marvel was Onslaught. It was a huge crossover, giant, big bad enemy, sucked into a void. Basically, they had all the heroes were thought to be dead. Instead, Franklin Richards had created a completely different Earth on the opposite side of the sun where they all lived out new lives. And this was called the Heroes Reborn era for Marvel. Every major comic, Thor, Captain America, you name it, they had all started up with new issues number one. 
And it ran for a year or two, somewhere in there. I don't remember the the exact specifics until it rolled back into the proper Marvel continuity. And just, you know, it was like, okay, that was a fun detour, but it didn't matter. It didn't really do anything. Now, the way DC is presenting this, I really think it is going to matter. I really think they do at least at this point, intend for this to be an actual change and not a temporary one. And yeah, it does hurt that all those old beloved stories are not going to, quote, matter as much anymore, but they're still there. They're still great reading. And there's the characters, at least for most of them, are probably going to be the same characters we remember from years past, just with different tweaks. And again, being able to tell new stories with them that aren't going to conflict with what's already been done. And I don't mind if they don't go back to it. That's that's certainly not what I'm implying. And yes, I will miss what we currently have. However, it's something that I keep pining for saying I want permanence in comics in those stories i want there to be consequences so that when something happens or when a character dies you're not just you know rolling your eyes thinking oh they'll be back because that's still what we're seeing all the time they even poke fun of it in the comics and it's an easy way for them to write it in so that they're they're essentially telling you yeah this person is probably going to be coming back whenever somebody decides they need them so again this is the kind of thing that i i want to be very excited for it but in the back of my mind i have that same thing that you were talking about is it, how permanent is it going to be and and at what point are they going to decide to roll it back like they've done with so many other series i mean case in point just as an example i'm currently reading the civil war for that Marvel Civil War, because that happened during the time when I wasn't reading comic books, and it's a fairly important Marvel story arc, so I decided, you know what, I'm going to get caught up on all of it, all the tie-ins and everything. And I'm about three-quarters of the way through them all, because there's, there's quite a few of them. And I'm really digging the story, but what's funny is that I'm looking at a lot of the things that are occurring in there as I'm reading them, and already knowing that those things have been course-corrected in the current canon, such as with Spider-Man and revealing his identity. And that takes a lot of the importance of the event away because you know this is really just not going to matter. We've been discussing that with the death of Spider-Man too, knowing that somebody else is just going to take the place of Spider-Man. It just doesn't matter as much. So that's what I'm worried about with this because I want to sink my teeth into this and my bank account for Christ's sakes, but I want to be able to like really feel like, yeah, this is going to be where... This is going to remain for a long bloody time. It's just, you know, that that common sense in the back of your head telling you, oh, probably not. Yeah. And if DC does stick with this, I mean, they will have untold amounts of my respect. I've talked a lot of trash about DC over the last few years. A lot? <laughs> yes. I'd say well, more I, than a lot. Well, I, I, there I, I are give... swears that you should use with that to express just how much a lot we're talking about. OK. Aside from <laughs> Batman. Go ahead. I'll, I'll believe it. I, I have talked a fair amount of trash about the DC universe, <laughs> but I have given them credit where it's due, and I can hope I can do that again here. So what we got today was that they announced a lot of these new number ones with these new creative teams. Uh, so I just want to run through those real quick and take a look at them. Uh, again, we have Justice League by Jeff Johns and Jim Lee. Uh, Brian, Which, as just a, to just to say as well, that's one of the ones that's going to be a supersize one, is it not? Yes, they, they, they've yeah, said so it's, it's a, a supersize. We'll come back to that. <laughs> I wasn't implying anything else about that. I was just saying it's going to be a big one. That's all I'm saying. 
I, I have a feeling a lot of these number ones are going to be, quote, supersize. But we haven't gotten confirmation about that yet. So anyway, uh, Brian Azzarello, who wrote The Joker, it was um, an interesting little uh, graphic novel, very sick, twisted version of the Joker story. Um, it was all right. And then 100 Bullets, which I haven't read, but I've heard a lot of good things about. He's going to be cle- teaming up with artist Cliff Chang to relaunch Wonder Woman. We have Jeff Johns, as he has said, coming back to Aquaman with uh, Ivan Reyes, the artist for Blackest Night and Brightest Day, joining him there. That's going to be awesome. Hopefully. And I'm not even an Aquaman fan, and I'm looking at that and thinking, okay, that sounds like it'll it'll be fun. It'll at least look darn good. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Francis Menopole, who has been co-writing Flash with Jeff Johns leading up to Flashpoint, will take over as the sole full-time writer with artist Brian Buccioletto on the relaunch of Flash number one. Coming out of what we saw in Brightest Day, we have The Fury of Firestorm, which just on its own is a cool title. (laughs) (laughs) The the comic itself, I don't know. Uh, Ethan Van Skyver and Gail Simone are going to be sharing writing duties. Um, I like some of Simone's stuff. Uh, Not not really sure about Van Skyver. Artist on that one is going to be something European. Yildere Sinar. (laughs) Sorry. We'll go with that. Yes. All right. Tony Daniel, the current writer for Batman, is going to be with artist Philip Tan on the new Savage Hawkman number one, which I'm sorry. No, no, thanks. I I don't need that. Uh, It's still worth checking, though. I mean, again, what we've always said with them, too, is that, yeah, it's, it's always been the same thing. The potential here is that, again, looking at all the changes that are going on with that world, that it won't be the same, that they'll finally do something different with the character. And if, again, if it's a good writer who's handling it, then maybe we will have awesome story arcs for him. And just a small little solicitation they gave us here. Carter Hall's skill at deciphering lost languages has led him to a job with an archaeologist who specializes in ancient ruins. Five bucks says that's Shaira. But will the doctor's latest discovery spread an alien plague through New York City? No matter the personal cost, Carter Hall must don his cowl and wings and become the new Savage Hawkman. Oh, you see, when you read it like that, of course it's going to sound stupid. (laughs) The condescension is practically dripping through the mic. It just, it doesn't grab me. It, it, It doesn't interest me as much as some of these other number ones that we're seeing. I think it's still worth checking out. Well, time will I will, I will pick it up and check it out. Okay, and if it's bad, I'm not going to say you told me so. I, I'm saying it could be bad, not it will be bad. Then again, I said X Men First Class would be bad, and I'm multiple times being proven wrong. Anywho, we have Green Arrow number one by writer J T. Cruel and artist Dan Jurgens, and I don't know if this is a mistake or if Dan Jurgens is going to be one of the hardest working men at DC because he's also going to be writing Justice League International with artist Aaron Lapresti, and this is one that uh, from a couple episodes ago when we were talking about the Generation Lost miniseries. I'm really hyped for this one. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it should be pretty good, depending on if they stick with the cast. But then it's going to be interesting to see what's happened with that cast of characters. But because we kind of like them as who they were. I mean, just maybe change Booster Gold's backstory so that he was never a chump and always who he... I buy that. Then then we're all right. We're golden. (laughs) Well, we can see on the cover art that they have here that it's mostly the team from Generation Lost. We have Booster Gold. We have Rocket Red. And I hope he's still the same from how he was before. 
He's got to be. <laughs> yeah. We have Fire and Ice, and those four are being joined by their previous uh, Justice League International teammates from back in the day, Batman and the Green Lantern Guy Gardner. They also have Vixen showing up there and two characters who I have absolutely no idea who they are. So it's new, actually, interesting stuff. Yeah, that actually it's it it's interesting me even more now than after Generation Loss. I it has the potential to be just as good as the actual Justice League comic as well, depending on what they do with the characters. And uh, if you look from the Generation Lost cast, there are a couple characters missing. First of all, we have Captain Adam, who is actually getting his own ongoing uh, solo title with writer J.T. Cruel and artist Freddie Williams. And the other one that's missing, and I really hope they bring back his solo series, that's, of course, The Blue Beetle, because his solo series was a lot of fun when it was out. Well, the thing that I liked about him, too, is that he was a fantastic fit for the team because he hadn't been there all the time. He was kind of scooped into it and yet really stepped up. So I really, really dug the character interaction between him and the rest of the crew. So, yeah, I would really love it if they bring him into this. Yeah. A couple left here. We have Mr. Terrific number one by Eric Wallace and Roger Robinson and... Okay, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he's got his ongoing series. I don't know if there was really uh, that much demand for that character to have a solo series. But That's... again, whole new relaunch. They could completely revamp the character. So we'll, well see. I'm thinking, too, that we're going to be seeing a lot of number ones from, you know, second and third rate characters that it's just going to be in order to get that number one out and to try to give the character a chance to shine in their own series, because otherwise you really wouldn't care. But of course, if it's that, you know, third tier character, throwing them out there with all these other number ones could cause them to just be lost in the flood of titles. And even if the comic is good, if it's a character that the fans don't really recognize, don't really care about, it could just, you know, go by the wayside, regardless of the quality, unfortunately. Well, that's the thing. When you're looking at 52 issues over the span of several months, that's a lot to pick up during that time and to read. So, yeah, there's going to be some that no doubt will simply be lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we have DC Universe Presents, which is going to play out as kind of an anthology title, picking up the you know smaller characters and giving them their own self-contained story arcs without really launching them in their own titles. Uh, what they're showing here is the first story arc is going to focus on Dead Man, again, coming out of Brightest Day, uh, by writer Paul Jenkins and artist Bernard Chang. So that's what we know so far. Obviously, there are quite a few more to announce, but it's a very interesting start. And I'm, I'm seeing a lot of new stuff that's coming out. Uh, the quality and the, the concept of them is, can be debated, but you can't argue that they're not trying to really set this apart from what they've done before. Oh, yeah. Now, a couple of other ones, too, that are not confirmed, but were rumors, speculated rumors that are supposed to be fairly reliable. We're looking at also Birds of Prey coming back again, though different than what's been happening and not being written by Gail Simone. Um, I I was really actually enjoying the Birds of the, Birds of Prey, uh, the, the story arc as it was within Brightest Day. I actually was really enjoying it. I It was it was a good, solid series. It was fun. And then we've got Teen Titans as well, which, again, depending on how it's written, that's the big one. Depending on the if it's going to be just teenage melodrama or if it's actually going to be good and interesting, might be fun to, to read as well, especially when you're looking at the reboot, the relaunch. If you're looking at maybe having, again, a different 
Robin and, and, and different other characters in there, not necessarily different, but themselves, their backstory different. It'll be a whole new dynamic between the characters. And then just a society of America, which I'm actually very excited for because it's going to, again, you're bringing back characters. Hopefully that's what they're going to be doing that haven't seen the light of day for a long time. But given this new background story and everything it might be very, very cool to read it. Um, and then they were talking about what else? Oh, Green Lantern was the only other one that they were saying, but that's going to pretty much still be very close to what it actually is right now and follow the, uh, the canon of Blackest Night and Brightest Day. And of course, we can expect a new Batman, a new Superman. And I, I hope they really dig deep and come up with something really new and original, something that we wouldn't expect. Like, okay, well, I wouldn't have expected Mr. Ter- Mr. Terrific, <laughs> but <laughs> pulling up one of those C-list characters and just putting them out there in something that's amazing. Please do that for me. Yeah. And, and again, the potential is there. I think that when you're looking at how much time they've invested in preparing for this, that there had to have been plans to really knock our socks off, not just with the announcement of everything being relaunched, but with titles that I'm sure they're still holding back on. They're not going to tell us for a while. And then it's going to be one of those, boom, okay, we're doing this. And that's what I'm still really looking forward to. Yeah. So obviously for these first few months, DC is going to light up the sales charts, Uh, might have to get numbers at the front door of your comic shop to get in to get some of these issues. So it's going to be really interesting to see if that momentum they build is going to carry, if they can grasp that new audience they're looking for, because for so long. Marvel and DC both, but more so DC, they've been holding on to that small audience they currently have with a stranglehold at the expense of finding those new readers. They they knew that their core fans loved these continuity-heavy stories that tie into minor side issues from 50 years ago. So that's what they've been putting out. And of course, someone like me, who might not be that into a lot of these DC comics, uh, for example, Grant Morrison's Batman, very continuity heavy. Longtime Batman fans really like the story there because it's crazy. It's stuff that they remember from a thousand years ago. But for me, picking it up like this is stupid. So it's great that they're really doing this and I hope it does work for them. And it's going to be very much about how long people are going to stick with it. And that's something that we've been reading about as well. Whenever there are relaunches, you get the increased sales for your first few issues, but then it tends to drop right back down to what it was before. So something like this, what's going to happen is that some of the new titles, if after, you know, half a year, the the sales drop right back, down, then there's no point continuing with a Mr. Terrific and things like that. And then when you're looking then at your Batman, your Superman, your big boys, because they still haven't said whether or not they're actually going to relaunch um, action comics or detective comics. Those are their big boys. So it's going to, when you're looking at whether or not the sales justify keeping the numbers down versus reverting back to the, the current numbers and current canon, um, I think that, again, it's going to depend very much on whether or not they can keep that momentum going. And historically, looking at what's happened with other ones, they probably can't. But we've never seen something this drastic. And that's going to be what maybe is that, that, that shove that really keeps it going for longer than just four, five, six issues. 
And the one thing that's really going to determine the long-term success of this strategy is going to be their new method of actually putting out the comics. Of course, we have the monthly issues shipping to your local comic shops, but DC has decided to jump in feet first with digital distribution. Day one, all of these comics will be available online, which is huge for the industry because more so than any other industry, for whatever reason, the comic industry has been terrified of the digital marketplace iTunes dragged the music industry into it, kicking and screaming. Uh, the Kindle dragged the regular publishing into it, kicking and screaming. And it's worked out quite well for both of those. So what we see here is DC is, well, I don't want to say they're dragging <laughs> the industry into it because they're certainly dragging something. And the reason for that is their choice of pricing. As we've seen here on DC's blog, they have announced that Justice League number one will be available in a special combo pack for the price of $4.99. You can get the comic itself as well as a code for a digital download. So that is $3.99 for the comic and a dollar for the digital. Huh? If you ask me, the digital should be free for this big, huge issue. Get the people who are going to the comic shops to look online and see just how much of a different experience it can be there and that they can still get their comics. But it goes on. It says, separately, the standard version will retail for $3.99 and the digital version will retail for $3.99. The, the rage is seething right now. Can I let it out or do you, you want to keep going with the pricing first? Both digital and print editions... <laughs> Of DC Comics will have parody pricing for the first four weeks of release. That is cover price for the digital downloads. Thereafter, the digital titles will drop in price down to our standard $199 digital price point. Oversize issues, including Justice League number one, will start at $399 and drop to $299 after four weeks. Get the bike horn handy. Because this is stupid. There is absolutely no reason that you should be charging cover price for a digital download. When you look at other digital mediums, such as music, games, movies, so much of the cost of those products is prior to release, recording, developing, programming, art, what have you. It's all in the actual product. That's not true with comics. Of course, the writing and the art is important, but a lot of the cost for a comic is in the printing, the paper, the ink, the distribution. There is no reason whatsoever that we should have to pay for those costs in the digital format. Go. My, all right, this is stupid. All right, <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. I've said it before and I'll say it again. They need to understand that a digital copy of a comic book is worthless. In fact, it is taking up space on your server. It is, there's, it's never going to be worth more than what it is now, which is nothing. It's a digital copy. Now, I'm not suggesting they should give them away, not by any stretch of the imagination. However, 
to charge the same amount as what you would pay to pick up an actual copy that you can save and put aside in that one day if it was an actually decent story, not like an Alpha Flight or something, but if it was good, you know, and somebody may want a copy of this later on, it could actually be worth more. I remember a lot of the comics that I bought 25, 30, even more years ago. And I can look back at that now and know, having looked at some of the pricing that's going on now, how much more they are they would be worth had I not sold them back then. Because, again, collectors want something they can hold, put in their library, appreciate. You're never going to get that with a comic book. And they need to understand that a lot of the comic books is that collection. It's... It's not just about reading something. It's about collecting something that may someday be worth a little bit more. So that's fine. But they've been increasing the sales to the point where you can't just pick them up as many as you want or for, like in my case, years before when, you know, when we weren't doing that as nearly as well, I wasn't buying comic books for my kids all the time. They'd get one every now and again, but at the price that they were, it's just not something that I could afford to buy them a whole bunch of them all the time. And now too, if they're looking at getting younger readers in at the price point that it is now, it's too high for a lot of those readers to be able to afford the comic books to go in. And then when you're looking at an adult as well, who'd be considering starting collecting if they're looking at the cost of what it's going to become to start collecting comic books, a lot of them are going to say, it's not worth it. I don't want to spend 50 bucks a month on comic books. They need to change the price point. Instead of making it a lower price point so that they can attract a lot more readers, they're increasing the price so that only a few people can continue to collect. And then when you're looking at something like this with the digital versions, they need to get their head out of their... It's not worth anything. It's worth the rental time to read it the same way as you'd have a rental of a movie or a TV show or whatever. You rent it, you move, watch it, you bring it back or it disappears from your, your hard drive. You no longer have access. That's what they need to look at. And they need to look at the fact that no matter how much time was spent on it, it still is only going to be five to ten minutes to read it. And they're going to charge me four bucks for five to ten minutes? Excuse me, that's ridiculous. It's it's the same as having to pay instead, you know, 20 bucks for the rental of a movie to watch on your system. It does not make sense. And they can't say, yeah, but our guys are working really hard. We got to pay them. Yeah, well, guess what? So do movie producers, actors and everything else. There's a lot more costs in a lot of other things that we rent that we get on our system or that we buy digitally. They're not that special. They need to get that out of their heads. And that's what this is. And again, it's that attitude of we're not going to make it accessible to everyone. We're going to make it so that only a few can do this. And that's ridiculous. You're not going to squash piracy when you got somebody who can say, you know, I'd like to read five of the DC titles that are coming up. Just five, all right? And at four bucks a piece or more, no, it's not going to be worth it. And a lot of people instead are going to choose the easy route and watch it without or read it without having paid for it. I wouldn't mind buying a whole bunch of digital things as well. When you're looking at these here, I, I would have no problem with it. If it was a reasonable price, I would have no problem supporting them and buying them versus buying the actual ones to have in my collection because I like having physical copies in my collection. I'm a collector, so I like that. But I would, I would actually just rent some instead or 
buy the digital if they were quite a bit cheaper. But I mean, the current standard of a buck ninety nine is stupid. That needs to change right now. The idea that you're looking at instead three bucks a month later for the super size or four bucks for some? No, no, absolute stupidity. Don't put this out like you're doing us this grand gesture and it's like oh we're listening to the fans you want digital here you go and then say oh while you're at it guess what bend over yeah so one thing that this really look you know brings up is dc's relationship with their retail partners i.e comic book stores and don't get me wrong comic book stores are obviously integral to the industry that's where comic fans get together they talk they can buy and obviously the stores are what got the comic industry to where it is today however where it is today is not a good place dc sales numbers are not good uh, they, 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 what did they say the the a top title for DC is doing what? 50,000 units right now between 40 to 60. Yeah. Yeah. That's Jack. So what this is, is saying, okay, don't, don't worry. Retail guys, we're not going to give the digital people any reason to use that service. (laughs) So you guys are good. You know, we're going to keep the status quo for the industry, which we know doesn't work in today's society. Yeah, price the print at whatever you feel is fair. I, again, uh, $2.99, $3.99. I don't like that price, but then I don't know the costs that go into it. I don't know how much they're paying the writers. I don't know how much that fancy paper costs. Whatever. It's uh, I'm, I'm, see, I'm going into the, the convulsion rage mode because this is so stupid. The other thing, too, is that this this thing that they're making such a big deal that you can buy it in a nice poly bag so that it'll have both the comic as well as the code. What they need to understand is that if you've bought the comic book, you don't need the digital. Okay, if you're getting the digital is because you're not wanting to spend the full price on a print copy. If you got the print copy, you can read the print copy. You don't need the digital version. And I mean, I love my local comic shop owners. You know, there's a store that I can't go to as often as I used to. I used to live across the street from the store, (laughs) but now it is a 20 minute drive away. So I don't want these great stores to go away. But there's so much more to a comic shop than individual issues, trade collections, you know, merchandise sales. And I'm sorry, you know, when an industry changes, things have to be left behind. And if some smaller comic shops can't keep up with it, I'm, I, it hurts. But I'm sorry. That's just what has to be done. I'm sure the railroads were pissed off when airline flight became a pretty big deal and became affordable to everyone else and the better alternative. And I'm sure all the, you know, the rail businessmen were were, were so upset about it. But you know what? Flying on a plane is a hell of a lot nicer than riding a train. And in order for the industry to move forward, they need to make actual changes if they do this it changes nothing and it's just going to fall flat on its face the other thing to keep in mind too is that they can work with those retail partners what we're seeing here is they're saying the digital code for those are going to be in the poly bags guess what 
Why don't you just on the cheap sell a whole bunch of digital codes to the retail places? The retail places, in addition to their actual stores, can make a website where people can buy those codes as well. All online, you get your code, boom, you punch it in and you got your copy. They can work with it so that the retailers still are making a profit, even on digital products. It's possible. It's not hard to do. It's whether or not they want to make that effort. And... It's, it just doesn't work. I'm sorry. I, I gave DC so much credit before we knew all the facts for jumping out there and trying the digital market. I, I have to take all of it back if they don't change this pricing structure. I, I really am not impressed with it. And I'm not impressed with the... 399 point nor am i even i i'm still not happy about 299 i it's still too damn much and again when you're looking at they're launching 52 titles over a few months i can't afford to buy them all at that price mm-hmm. and i i would hate for what we think is a good thing story-wise a good relaunch i would hate for this to fail because of the pricing, because that that would just be a slap in the face to 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 the comic industry. Like, hey, we did something great. We really did good stories and the fans didn't like it. They didn't buy it. So we're going out of business. No, it's not that the fans didn't like it. The fans didn't buy it. The fans liked it. They couldn't buy it. And I'm done. I think I've said enough as, as well. I'd like to talk about something happy right now. Yeah, we can do that. All right. And that is the comics that we're actually talking about today. Not future comics, actual comics. Marvel comics. And, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what we're talking about is Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine, a miniseries by Jason Aaron and Adam Kubert that just finished up last week. And what has to be by far the most insane comic I have ever read in my life. We went from Wolverine teaching cavemen how to draw, brew beer, to robot dinosaurs, to Doctor Doom the Living Planet, to Phoenix Bullets, to Mojo's reality TV series, and finally to Dark Phoenix Wolverine. I don't know what Jason Aaron was on when he was writing the story, but I thank him for it. <laughs> They need to put Wolverine in that costume from now on, though. That was freaking sexy. I love that costume. <laughs> the dark Can you please Wolverine, not talk the, about Wolverine the with the word sexy? That, oh, come no. on. In that Espe Phoenix outfit? <laughs> oh, it was. You know it. It was cool. Say, no, it wasn't, it wasn't sexy. It. Damn right it was. <laughs> uh, Canadians. <laughs> yes, it, I love that series. I did. It was funny because we talked about it in terms of how it, it's all over the place, but the writer knows that and makes reference to it, which gives him an easy out then to have all this manner of nonsense happening over, you know, five issues. But then the last one still manages to pull it together to give you the, the point of it all and those, those relationships between um, Spider-Man and Wolverine and the other girl. It's just, it was fantastically written, especially towards that end. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's the thing to take out of this. Yes, it was huge. Yes, it was insane. Yes, it was bigger than life. But it told a great story. It took these two complex characters of Wolverine and Spider-Man and their complex relationship with each other. They don't like each other. They work together. They, at times, hate each other. And yet, by the end of this huge, grand adventure, 
they'd found a respect for each other. Yeah, they they going forward, they'll still hate each other at times. They'll still get into fights. But they have be, they have formed a bond that is going to carry into future stories. I think more than even just that. I, I think that depending on, it's all going to depend again on how other writers choose to use what happened in here in their stories. But Because it'd be easy just to revert back to the, the that relationship between those two. However, if they choose to, you know, really use the, the, the differences that we saw put into that relationship in this series it's going to be huge the 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 relationship changed from animosity like downright animosity to a blood brother pack to a friendship that was nothing like what we saw before and i'll honestly if this fits into the canon from now on we should see strained moments where they get on each other's nerves but there should not be any more hatred and, and deep animosity. It would be a very, very different relationship between the two of them. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, because we've seen so much good out of them and other titles, most notably New Avengers. Those two are awesome together. <laughs> uh, but one thing that I, I really loved about this miniseries is, again, all that craziness. That all happened in the first five issues. It ended on this huge, dramatic moment of... Dark Phoenix Wolverine. Just let that soak in for a minute as to how ludicrous and awesome that is. And then in the sixth issue, it was just like, oh, yeah, that happened. It takes this huge shift in tone to this more subdued, more character driven story. And as a reader, if you're reading this whole thing, it really makes you stop and focus on what's truly important here. And that last issue, without any of the the, the, the craziness that we saw before was, in my opinion, the best issue of the miniseries. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you're looking at uh, when you're looking at it and reading it and understanding that they spent years there, um, how much of an impact it had on the relationship wasn't all the the craziness, but the normal time that they'd had together where neither used their powers and they just lived there. Well, except for Wolverine with the freaky <laughs> headdress thing and whatnot. But I mean, it was, again, it was the normal time where they were just themselves and not superheroes, which defined them and defined their relationship. Yeah. And like we said, a lot of this is going to be continuing on somewhere in the Marvel Universe, be it in another miniseries, uh, Wolverine's own solo title, which is written by Jason Aaron, maybe in Spider-Man. We don't know where it's going, but it's there and it's going to get there at some point because parts of their time traveling adventure did carry over into the current Marvel Universe. Small things like the small folk brew being available at the beer. I thought that was a, at the bar. I thought that was a nice touch to larger things like Wolverine's half brother from the past now showing up in New York City. And then we have Spider-Man's love interest in this story. I don't know if this is meaningful or not, but I have been told that this character, Sarah Bailey, that's the exact same name as Jean Grey's sister. And that's a big point when you consider Wolverine's relationship with Jean Grey. The, it, again, I'm really, really hoping that this is going to carry forward because there's so much potential for really cool, fun stories to, to bounce through a variety of other series, like you were just saying. And if they were to, to do 
another miniseries with them. It doesn't have to be the same kind of thing, but I mean, following the same, the same pattern, the same type of story. You know, it doesn't have to be time travel, but that same frenzied story kind of thing that then falls back on something more mundane to define to, to the characters. I would love to see more of these things happening. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely something worth checking out. It's hugely entertaining with the adventure they're going on and yet very satisfying once you get to the end. You read this and when you're done reading it, you feel happy that you did read it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the trade. Put it that way. Yeah. So moving on from there, we have some more Spider-Man, and that is Amazing Spider-Man, issues 661 and 662, which was a crossover with the Avengers Academy. Now, I do have to admit to a bit of a a slip up on my part. They have been releasing so many issues of Amazing Spider-Man lately, trying to get everything, you know, lined up for the big Spider Island event coming up in July that I missed an issue. I didn't know 661 existed. So I thought 662 was just a one-shot story with the Avengers Academy. Kids show up, chaos happens, and resolution. So when you told me that, no, 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 it's actually a two-parter, I was like, what? So I had to go back and read it. And I enjoyed it less as a two-part story than it is a one-part story. And I know you have your own issues with this, but I love the Avengers Academy. It's a great comic. I've really been enjoying it. So seeing these characters teaming up with Spider-Man was good for me. It gives them more exposure because let's face it, the Avengers Academy is the fourth book in the list of the Avengers lineup. A lot, Not a lot of people are reading it. The sales are doing well. It's actually growing from month to month, which is rare for the comics industry. But they're still unknown to the greater Marvel Universe. So putting them here in Spider-Man, Great. Get them some exposure. Maybe people will pick up with it later on. And for the Academy characters, I really liked this story. It was lame. It was freaking lame. It was stupid. It was lame. I don't care if you want to see more of the Academy kids. Fine. Put them in something. But put them in something where it's not this stupid, lame story. Which is too bad because the story arcs that were immediately prior to that, where Spider-Man is with Future Foundation, were fantastic. They were really great. Not that I want that to be what's happening all the time in the Spider-Man series because I do like when it is just him and not him in the Avengers, not him in the Future Foundation, but just him. Solitary guy in New York. His stories with you know, different women in his life or with, you know, different things going on. I like that. So um, it's not that I just want the Future Foundation stuff, but that was awesome. That was fantastic. But then these two stories were, they were just lame. It was just cheesy, corny stuff that was like, oh my God. Like I said before too, it was like you could take the story and slap it in 1962 and it would fit. You, you know, if you can do that, no, the times have changed. You can't, it's, it's change it, fix it. A case in point, the finale, the the finale with with six sixty two, with the where Pim is saying, "Oh, great, then you should do this more often," and everybody's screaming, "No!" It was just so, it, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I could use other adjectives, but I might have to bleep them out. It was bad. I just really didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy his relationship with the kids. I didn't enjoy the uh, the the interpersonal relationship between the kids in the series, which. You know what? A little is fine, but too much is it's not their series. So it it was taking over and in a bad way. I just thought the whole thing was absolutely corny and lame. 
Uh, the, the corniness and the cheesiness, yes, it, it, it is a factor, but it wasn't quite the deal breaker for me that it was for you. But I do have to admit, I enjoyed this a lot less when I read both issues than I did when I just read the one because, yeah, it was a bit too much. And I think where, where this kind of stumbled is it was more of an Avengers Academy story than it was a Spider-Man story. When you buy a Spider-Man comic, you really want Spider-Man to be the focal point of that comic. Duh. That's why it's on the title. And I, I agree that it has been quite a while since we've seen Spider-Man being Spider-Man. I, I just wonder if this would have been a little more successful elsewhere in the publishing lineup. I don't know, because conceptually, I, I did like this and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed issue 662 on its own. Uh, again, more than I enjoyed the two of them together. And see, to me, it's, it's also the concept of you're going to put a bunch of superpowered kids in a classroom and have Spider-Man standing there with a chalk in his hand and a blackboard behind him asking them, you know, this is happening. What do you do? Come on. No, that's not going to happen. If you're going to try to insert any type of, you know, reality so that when you're reading it, despite the fact that you're dealing with superheroes, at least you're going to say, okay, well, I can see that happening. I can't see this happening. It was, again, they relied far too heavily on cliches. I really did not like it at all. And I wasn't crazy about the art either. I didn't like the coloring was a weird tint and darker. Nothing jumped out off the page really and in the story really just bored me to tears yeah like i said they've been cranking out a lot of spider-man books in the last couple months it's been almost a weekly series lately just because they had to tie so many things up to get to spider island so we've had guest writers guest artists a lot of things that we're not used to from spider-man but it is nice to see that spider-man is getting back on track to what we like uh this week's issue had him uh interacting with anti-venom and getting back to the Mr. Negative and the actual New York Spider-Man stories before we get to the huge Spider Island thing coming up because we've been getting glimpses of it in the infestation backups. And I do have to say the backup in 662 was really good. The backups have been better than the stories in some cases. I wasn't crazy about the one with the notes. I can't remember which one that was in where he's leaving notes for himself all over the place. Mm -hmm. Was that six? That I, wasn't 62, was it? No, 662 was the one with uh, the building on fire. Right. I thought that was great. And um, But yeah, the, the notes one I didn't like. But the, the backstories with him and Ghost Rider were among the best <laughs> little mini stories I've read in a long time. It was awesome. That's what we need more of. Yeah, and we will hopefully be getting more of that in the Fantastic Heroes for Hire comic. I, you can't say fantastic. If I can't use <laughs> sexy in the same sentence as Wolverine, you cannot use fantastic and heroes for hire in the same sentence. Okay, you got me there. All right, so uh, anything else before we wrap up here, Raj? No, I'm good. All right. So coming up with our new releases for this week, it is Crossover Central. For Marvel, we have Amazing Spider-Man 663, which we just mentioned, Avengers Academy 14.1. And if you did enjoy the Spider-Man crossover, that might be one you want to check out. We, of course, have the third issue of Fear Itself and the launch of the second Fear Itself miniseries, The Deep. Uh, has something to do with Namor. I haven't really checked that one out yet. I'm going to assume because The Deep Ocean. Got it. Uh, we have Herc number four, which is itself a Fear Itself tie-in. We have Heroes for Hire number eight. 
Hulk number 34, Moon Knight number two, another Fear Itself tie-in with Thunderbolts 158. That one's going to be dealing with Juggernaut. Uncanny X-Force number 11, The Dark Angel Saga, yes. X-Factor 220 and X-Men number 12 picking up from the previous X-Men giant size. There's some awesome X-Men stuff. You know what? The Fear stuff has not been hooking me quite as much, but the stuff with Uncanny X-Force and with X-Men right now, dude, I'm there. I love it. And the DC side of things, we have Batman Beyond number six and Flashpoint. Yes. Flashpoint number two and four. Yes, four Flashpoint miniseries. We have Abin Sur, the Green Lantern, which... Yeah, (laughs) we have Batman Night of Vengeance, Secret Seven, which, uh, again, it's kind of tying in with the whole Shadow Pact team they had set up a couple years ago. I enjoyed those comics. Uh, Really looking forward to that one. We have World of Flashpoint, which is more of a history lesson, if you will, detailing the past of the Flashpoint universe. And then rounding out DC, we have Secret Six, number 34. Abinser, dude. Abinser. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I read that and I was like, I didn't know that was coming up because I have my little checklist somewhere on my desk here that has all little the checklist. Oh, dude, I do. I actually hold on a second. I'll find it. But I had this, but I didn't actually read through. See, there it is. And uh, I didn't read through every single thing to see what was coming out. And then I saw that and it was like, you're kidding. Oh, dude, I cannot re- wait to read that. Mm-hmm. And then just to finish up, we have Irredeemable 26 from Boom Studios and Who is Jake Ellis, number four from Image. I, I've really been enjoying Jake Ellis. That's uh, If you're looking for something non-superhero related, that one might be something to look at. Meh. Yeah. Okay. So that's going to wrap us up here at issue 29 of the Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we would, as usual, appreciate reviews and feedback. And we will see you next week. Suck it up, DC. <laughs> <laughs> In the shade of the old apple tree. I have two tracks here, so I know we're all right. Okay. And they both have squiggly lines? Yes. Okay, because you had two tracks last night. Well, that is true. That is true. Not to give you a hard time, but... But you, it's, it's funny because I knew... It, 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 I would have felt different if it was the recording app that screwed up. And then it would have been like, God damn it, and actual like anger. But this is like, it was me. I changed the Skype settings and I didn't change them back after. So it's like, son of a... Hello? Forgive me. (laughs) It's all good, man. No, it's not. (laughs) No, no, it's not all good. No, no, it was not. (laughs) Do you know what? In light of today's news, I'm willing to accept this. I'm not. It was a damn good episode. It was Yes, it was. It was fantastic. We had a lot more laughs than normal even. There was some ranting which people always love. It was it just was all around a fantastic episode. And it's like, oh, and I'm listening to it and, and I know what you were saying and all I'm hearing is blank and it's like son of a <laughs> Ah, uh-huh.
You can be loved. I'm all right with just being tolerated. <laughs> Perhaps I should let him know. <laughs> Screw it. Let him figure it out. Sing or swim, old man. Sing or swim. <laughs> yeah, keep pounding back those drinks. You're going to need them. We are red and good to go here. Boys in the audience, I'm sure we're coming through all right. Or are we not? <laughs> it's like silent prayer to the router gods. I love you all. Take your breath. I always have to edit that breath out at the very beginning. Every single episode, there's a breath right before you start talking that I have to edit out. Yeah. I should automate that. <laughs> right before you hear a sound from Vince, back up a split second, remove everything else. <laughs> Been called worse by smarter. <laughs> Far smarter. <laughs> it was that breath. It was like, okay, I'm gonna shut up now. Go ahead. <laughs> need a lot of duck quacks for this episode. <laughs> oh. That's all right. I just like correcting you. That's all. I don't, you know, don't get that opportunity often enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wasn't certain if you did or not. <laughs> Exactly. It's all, you know what? It's all well and good for you to say, uh, you know, praise them for this. It's like, hallelujah, they're bringing the digital. But guess what? If they're still going to be selling them for buck ninety nine an issue for digital, it's too much. For big issue number 30. With a much better host. <laughs> No, I didn't drop any bombs. I did not. No. There was no F bomb. Not a single one. Hey, dude, what the hell is that all about? What exactly are you implying? Shut up. What, that's the point of a podcast. So there. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, the, the fake Thor that's hold through the dude. <laughs> I, again, I didn't have the backstory to know that. So it's like all of a sudden he's back and it's like, I oh, whoop de doo And lightning strike right through the dude. It's like, okay, yeah, I never did like you. <laughs> I was right about you all along. Ah, oh, oh, dude. Shh. The wife's listening. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be bad. 